What's up, folks? This is Tony Brewer. You're listening to, or watching as the case may be, Cogitations. Cogitations is the podcast where we think about things, we contemplate them, we turn them over in our minds, and then we discuss them. Daniel chapter 7, verse 28, Daniel writes, Hitherto is the end of the matter. As for me, Daniel, my cogitations much troubled me, my countenance changed in me, but I kept the matter in my heart. And we're not going to keep the matter in our heart. We're going to talk about it. Today, we're going to talk about the unforgivable. Huh? The unforgivable. Hold on. <clears throat> the unforgivable sin. There, I just had to recollect myself. <laughs> kind of like I needed a recollection. Anyway, good to see everybody in the chat. The Sword and Pearl, John Exum. And uh, that's it. The unpardonable sin. That's it. Uh, now. Let me get to where I can see the comment section. Listen, it's good to see everybody in here today. Uh, folks, uh, folks will start coming in. Uh, remember to follow us on Twitter. I just went ahead and I upgraded the Twitter to a premium account because according to the things that I've been reading and the things that I've been seeing, uh, since Elon Musk has taken over Twitter, if you pay to have a premium account, you actually get boosted up in the discoverability. So we're going to see if I can grow Christianity Now brand on Twitter. X, formerly known as Twitter, and the passage of Scripture, First Chronicles twelve thirty two, is the verse that started it all off for the brand with me and Aaron Dotson. Uh, we wanted to do something that would resonate with Christians today. We wanted to be, we wanted to to cover timely topics from the timelessness of the truth of God's word. So we wanted to be sons of Issachar. The sons of Issachar had understanding of the times to know how Israel ought to go. So we need to have understanding of the times, and that's what the Christianity Now brand is for, uh, to help to, to showcase the things that are going on. And the first season, Aaron and I would, would go live uh, every Tuesday, which we still do that at uh, 10 a.m. Central Standard Time. And I would, I would scour YouTube, or excuse me, uh, TikTok for videos that I could download and we could, we could react to them. And we did, we did pretty well with that. And we're going to bring some of that stuff back, but we're really kind of this first couple of years with the brand, we're kind of seeing based on our customer feed customer, based on our listener feedback, which we kind of do consider you as customers. Uh, what do you all want and what resonates with you? And so we've, it's kind of morphing into something really great, which is why I'm thinking about the cogitations brand and letting the cogitations brand go the way of the dinosaur and just focusing primarily on Christianity. Now you'll still get the same amount of content. It's just, I won't be producing content five days or four days a week under cogitations. It'll be just five days a week under Christianity now. And we'll still have the Substack. which if you want to support us monetarily, man, Substack is a way to go uh, $5 a month subscription and you'll get access to everything we do this behind a paywall, which admittingly is not much. We should do more. So maybe one of these days we can open that up and we can figure out how to offer y'all some added value for your monetary support. Anyway, good to see everybody. Uh, sword and oh, hold on a second. What is that? The sword and pearl. Uh, good to see you. And, uh, Hey, Hey, Alabama and Susan Marie and Dana Harden. Now, before we get into the meat of our podcast, we want to we want to hear a word from our sponsor. Uh, 
contact Lindsay, lindsayfaydotson at gmail.com. Uh, let me get her information up on the screen. And if you are part of a church congregation or any institution for that matter, seeking effective ways to spread the word about your event, look no further. Lindsay Dotson specializes in designing modern advertisements for churches. Whether it's flyers, postcards, or social media graphics, Lindsay has got you covered. Reach out through a private message on Facebook or send an email to lindsayfaydotson at gmail.com for more details. Don't miss this opportunity to make your message resonate far and wide. Contact Lindsay Dotson, lindsayfaydotson at gmail.com today. Um, I, I got you, John. I, I, can, I can tell when you're joking, man. All right, I'll be in and out. Probably have to listen to the replay today. Water leaks don't wait. Oof, I hate your dealing with water leaks. Um, anyway, so let's, let's get into the meat of the podcast. What is the unpardonable or unforgettable sin? Folks, it's blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. Like, that's it. it bar none, no, no discussion. But blasphemy of the Holy Spirit is the unforgivable sin. But that brings with it then, what in the world is blasphemy of the Holy Spirit, and can it be done today? And quite frankly, is it the case that it is unforgivable as an axiom? In other words, in all situations, is it unforgivable? Or is Jesus talking about a very specific situation? Let's get into the scriptures, all right? First off, I think in order to get the context, we're going to have to go to Matthew chapter 12, but I don't want to go just to the spot where Jesus is talking about blasphemy. I want to go to verse 14 of chapter 12. Then the Pharisees went out and held a council against him, against Jesus, how they might destroy him. But when Jesus knew it, he withdrew himself from thence, and a great multitude followed him, and he healed them all. And he charged them that they should not make him known, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, Behold my servant whom I have chosen, my beloved, in whom my soul is well pleased. I will put my spirit upon him, and he shall show judgment to the Gentiles. He shall not strive nor cry, neither shall any man hear his voice in the streets. A bruised reed shall he not break, and smoking flax shall he not quench, till he send forth judgment unto victory, and in his name shall the Gentiles trust. All right, so Jesus had a job to do, and the Pharisees took counsel together to figure out how they might lay a trap to destroy him. You know, eventually they get it done. Eventually they hang him on a tree. Eventually Pilate comes out and says, listen, there's there's no broken law in this man. I found no guilt in him whatsoever. But I can tell y'all are really eat up about this. So I'm going to give you a choice. I'm going to give you an out. I'm going to give you an off ramp. I've got this terrible insurrectionist murderer, Barabbas. And then on the other hand, I've got Jesus, this man in whom no guile has been found. We're going to let one of them go as per your tradition. And I'm going to let you choose which one will you let go? What about Jesus? And the crowd chanted, crucify him. They would rather let a guilty insurrectionist murderer go 
than deal with Jesus. They killed Jesus. So they finally got that trap laid. They finally got it sprung. And the jaws closed around our master. And he went to the cross. But it's not 100% tragic because that was the purpose whereunto he was sent. He, he knew he was going to die on the tree. Now let's get back to the text. Awesome. Facebook user says, looking forward to enjoying the replay later. All right. So they, they were taking counsel how to trap him, how to destroy him. Verse 22. Then was brought unto him one possessed with a devil, blind and dumb. And he healed him insomuch that the blind and the dumb both spake and saw. And all the people were amazed and said, Is not this the son of David? Now that carries with it some implications. In other words, is this not the Messiah? That's, that's the idea. Like, hey, this man's claiming to be, be the Messiah. He's doing miracles. He's fulfilling prophecies. Is he not the son of David? Like, evidently, he, I mean, he, he ticks all the boxes. Why aren't we following him? Why aren't we believing in him? That's a good question. Ask in another way, how long are you going to kick against the pricks? All right. And Jesus knew their thoughts and said unto them, well, excuse me, I, I, skipped the, I skipped the main verse for the lesson. Verse 24. But when the Pharisees heard they said, this fellow doth not cast out devils, but by Beelzebub, the prince of devils. So if, if you're not studied on this character, Beelzebub, it, it's kind of funny. Um, without getting too deep into it, basically Beelzebub was an idiomatic uh, pejorative for Satan, and it comes from a... a, a demigod according to the pantheon of gods who was i think something like the lord of the air and the jews perverted his name and changed it to the lord of the dung heap the lord of the flies the lord of the anyway it's the lord of the dung heap the beelzebub the trash lord but make no mistake about it the character it represents the metonym here is for satan all right. So in other words, the Pharisee says he don't cast out devils, but by the power of Satan. In other words, he cast out devils by the ruler of the devils. Now, verse 25, Jesus knew their hearts and said unto them, every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation and every city or house divided against itself shall not stand. And if, and if Satan cast out Satan, he is divided against himself. How shall then his kingdom stand? And if I, by Beelzebub, cast out devils, by whom do your children cast them out? Therefore they shall be your judges. But I cast out devils by the Spirit of God. Then the kingdom of God, excuse me, but if, so he's making this argument, but if I cast out devils by the Spirit of God, then the kingdom of God is coming to you. Or else how can one enter into a strong man's house and spoil his goods, except he first bind the strong man? And then he will spoil his house. He that is not with me is against me, and he that scattereth not with me scattereth abroad. Folks, he's laying the foundation for what he's about to teach. 
blasphemy of the Holy Spirit is defined in this context, okay? And Jesus is making a case here. I'm coming in to the territory of Satan, and I can't win. I can't save mankind from the territory of Satan until I bind Satan. Now, I think this is is a direct reference. I think it's at least a nod to Revelation where Satan is in a pit and he's bound and he's on a chain and he's on a chain for a thousand years. Satan, whenever Jesus came into the earth, was defeated and he was bound. And I know a lot of people say, well, Tony, Satan walks to and fro and up and down in the earth today. Uh, in, in, uh, that, sorry, that's from Job. Help me out, somebody, from Peter. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks around as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Okay, so his, his territory is the world, but we are spiritual. Stay out of Satan's range. Stay out of Satan's territory. Stay out of Satan's pit. And Satan can't harm you. It's like that big old mean pit bulldog on that chain. You walk by that person's yard and that pit bulldog runs out to the edge of the chain and just rah, 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 wanting to kill you. As long as you don't get within the length of the chain, you're fine. Well, that's the way Satan is. Why is that? Jesus bound him. Jesus Jesus stripped his power from him. And there are things that he could do in the first century that he cannot do today. And that's, 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 that's all we got time for that in this podcast. All right. Verse 31. After we've got that, after we got that foundation laid. Wherefore I say unto you, all manner of sin and blasphemy shall be forgiven unto men. But blasphemy against the Holy Ghost shall not be forgiven unto men. And whosoever speaketh a word against the Son of Man, it shall be forgiven him. But whosoever speaketh against the Holy Ghost, it shall not be forgiven him, neither in this world, neither in the world to come. All right. I'm going to go to my trusty rusty east sword. I'm going to make sure of something real quick. Probably should have done this before I went live, but quite frankly, I didn't think about it. All right, so Matthew 12, and I want verses 32. Matthew 12, where is 32? There it is. All right, but whosoever speaketh the word against the Son of Man, it shall be forgiven him. But whosoever speaketh against the Holy Ghost, it shall not be forgiven him, neither in this world, neither in the world to come. That's what I thought. Neither in this world eon this age nor in the age to come in this dispensation of time there's no forgiveness for you if you blaspheme the holy spirit nor will there be anything in the age to come that will save you from the sin of blaspheming the holy spirit now why is that From the perspective of the point in time at which Jesus said about blasphemy of the Holy Spirit being unforgiven, they were in a certain age. They were in the Jewish dispensation of time. 
you, you could be forgiven. There's hope for you if you're blaspheming Jesus. There's hope for you if you're blaspheming John the Baptist. There's hope for you if you're blaspheming the 70 that was sent out on the limited commission. Why is that? Because there is one more thing coming that might convince you of Jesus's true identity. What is that? The Holy Spirit. What is said of the Holy Spirit in John 14, 15, 16, and 17? That the Holy Spirit is going to guide the apostles into all truth. The Holy Spirit is going to come and is going to uh, judge the world of, uh, or, or reprove the world, rather, of sin, of righteousness, of judgment, of sin because they didn't believe Jesus, of righteousness because they did believe Jesus, and of judgment because the prince of this world it's time for him to be judged. That's John 16. So we know what the Holy Spirit is going to do. He's going to guide humanity through the apostles into all truth. Now, we have that truth written down for us, so we don't have it directly like the apostles had it. But we, nevertheless, we do have all things that pertain to life and godliness right here in this book. So the idea is if you're blaspheming Jesus, you, 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 let's do this. Let's, let's go all the way back. John the Baptist in Matthew chapter 3. John the Baptist. Repent ye therefore for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. That was his message. If you don't believe that, then Matthew chapter 4, John is dead. Jesus starts his Galilean ministry. He's preaching. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. You're going to blaspheme Jesus, and you're going to say, you're a liar. I don't believe you. You're not who you say you are. Your message is not true. Well, Jesus is going to send out the 70 with the ability to do signs and wonders. And they're going to come back bragging about the signs and wonders that they did. Well, did you believe them, or did you blaspheme those 70 that were sent out on the limited commission? If you said they're not true and their testimony is not true, then you're blaspheming them, but there's still hope because there's one final phenomenon going to happen. On the day of Pentecost, the apostles are going to be guided into all truth, and they're going to disseminate that truth to the whole world through their word that they preach. John 17, 20, but neither pray I for these alone, but for all those that shall believe on me through their word that they may be one, Father, as I are in thee and thou in me, that the world may know that thou hast sent me. But if you blaspheme the Holy Spirit, if you look at the message of the Holy Spirit that the apostles are teaching, that the first century prophets are preaching, and you say, I don't believe that testimony, I believe that testimony to be false, then there is nothing else coming. There's nothing coming there's no new age to be ushered in. There's no new revelation to convince you. There's no other person of deity that's going to be revealing something to convince you. Blasphemy of the Holy Spirit in that, in that way is unforgivable because you're, you're going to be blaspheming and there's, there's nothing that will, 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 that will soften your hard heart to change your mind about the truth of the message. You are, in essence, resisting the Holy Spirit, as the Jews were to whom uh, Stephen preached in Acts chapter 7. 
you stiff neck and uncircumcised of heart. You do always resist the Holy Ghost as your fathers did, so do ye. Go read the end of Acts chapter 7 there. Blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. From the perspective of a person during the time in which Jesus said, blasphemy of the Holy Spirit is unforgivable. If they were blaspheming the Son of God, if they were saying, Jesus, I don't believe your message is true, he's saying, well, look, you can blaspheme me. But if you blaspheme the Holy Spirit, there's nothing else either in this age or the age to come that's going to convince you any differently, and you're going to be left in that sin with no hope. That's blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. Now, what is it exactly? If you see a miracle that's performed by the power of God, by the power of the Holy Ghost, if you're in the first century and you see Jesus do a miracle and you say, Jesus, I believe you did that by the power of Satan, you're blaspheming Jesus. In the first century, whenever the apostles were preaching the word and they were confirming the word with signs following, Jesus working with them, go read the end of the book of Mark, chapter 16. If you see that, if you see the apostles on the day of Pentecost and you see those cloven tongues like as a fire and you see them preaching in languages and you hear them preaching in languages, that you know they've never studied. And you look at that miracle and you say, that's, that's false. They're doing that by the power of Satan. Then you have blasphemed the Holy Ghost, and there is no hope for you in that condition in so much as the practice of that sin, as long as you're practicing blasphemy of the Holy Ghost and, and saying that that miracle came by the power of Satan, then there's nothing that is going to convince you. There's nothing else coming. Blasphemy of the Holy Spirit is absolutely unforgivable in its practice. If, if, I'm, if I turn out to be a liar, if, I, if, I'm, if I'm a liar, however, I still believe that God exists, Jesus is the Son of God, and the Holy Bible was penned by holy men of old that was born along by the Holy Spirit, then it may be that I read that Bible with an understanding that this applies to me and it's authoritative and the word of God works on my heart and I'm, my, my fallow ground is plowed and that, tree, that, that seed is planted and it grows into a plant and produces fruit. You see, I had to repent of that sin of lying. But it's not that I repented of the sin of lying, it's that I was shown the way and then I've wanted to change my mind about all of my sin because of the message. But if you believe the message to be from Satan and not from God, then you're not going to even listen to the message. So then how can you be forgiven of any sin, but most especially blasphemy of the Holy Spirit, claiming that a bona fide miracle that came from the Holy Spirit come from Satan? How do you think we got the Bible? This Bible, and, and this, is, this is the only way that I think that today we can commit the sin of blasphemy of the Holy Ghost, is if we read this Bible and it's clear to us and we say, 
you know, I know what the Bible says, but I just don't think my Jesus would want me to do that. Or I just don't think my God would send me to hell over that. Or I know what the Bible says. I just don't think I'm going to follow it because I don't believe it to be true. Well, Satan is the father of lies and Satan is the God of confusion. He's the author of confusion. If you're claiming that this Bible is not true or it's full of contradictions and you just are not going to follow it because of that, then what you're claiming is that this, this, this result of a bona fide miracle came from Satan and not God. That's blasphemy of the Holy Ghost in its very technical sense. There's nothing else going to come along. There, you're, you're, going to get, you're going to receive no revelation from heaven. It's done. There, there's, there's nothing coming along that's going to convince you otherwise, whether it's in this age or the age to come. What's up, Sue Ross? Thank you, Nina Taylor. She says, I like the way you were preaching. Um, my goal, and this is what I try to do, I, I try my best to take the mysticism out of the scripture. So often people try to shroud the Bible in a mystery. Folks, the mystery's been revealed. There should be no more mysticism. Blasphemy of the Holy Spirit is easy. In the context, properly defined, it's seeing a miracle that was done by the power of the Holy Spirit and claiming that that miracle was done by the power of Satan. The only thing, the only way you can commit blasphemy against the Holy Spirit today is if you look at the results of a bona fide miracle. I'm holding up my Bible. If you look at the results of a bona fide miracle and you say that this Bible isn't true, well, Satan is the father of lies. He was a liar from the beginning. And he's the father of lies. So if you're claiming the Bible is a lie, then you're claiming it's from Satan. So you're then saying that Satan gave us the Bible. That is blasphemy. And the only way you can be forgiven of that is if you are convinced in some way that the Bible is true. Well, what in the world can convince you? I think this is why Christian apologetics are so important. That's why I chose to do this podcast today on this topic. And I've got Lindsay Dotson's uh, information up. Let me put the uh, tip jar up. If you all would like to uh, donate to Christianity now, www.nearchurches.gmail.com. But the best way to support us monetarily is Substack. Um, and don't forget to follow us on X, 1 Chronicles 12.32, 1 Chronicles 1.2.3.2. We want to be sons of Issachar. But anyway, uh, yeah, I, I think I'm about done. I, did I explain blasphemy well? Did I take some of the mysticism out of it? To recap, blasphemy is looking at a bona fide miracle. Blasphemy of the Holy Ghost is looking at a bona fide miracle that was done by the power of the Holy Ghost and saying it came from Satan. To be clear, you cannot be forgiven and nothing is coming along to convince you otherwise. So you're not going to be forgiven in this age or the age to come because there's nothing else coming along. If you want to be forgiven for anything, you're going to have to repent. You're going to have to change your mind. Now, if you're caught up in adultery, then I can go to the Bible and I can say, hey, adultery is a sin. You got to repent. 
If you're caught up in lying, I can go to the Bible and I can say lying's a sin, you got to repent. If you're caught up, though, in blasphemy of the Holy Ghost, and you're one of these that are adamant and says, look, the Bible is a lie, I can't take the Bible and convince you that the Bible is true. I've got to, I've got to go another route. Folks, that is so very difficult. And in a sense, that makes, and, and this is where Jesus saying blasphemy is unforgivable, it's unpardonable. It's because you, when you're blaspheming the Holy Spirit, you have taken from the people who love you the very tools that they would use in order to convince you of your need for salvation. Because an atheist that says the Bible is a lie, you can't study the Bible with them and convince them that the Bible is the truth. You have to, you have to learn Christian apologetics. You've got to learn archaeology. You've got to be an, an, an amateur archaeologist, a logician, a scientist, all that good stuff. Missy Malone. Or, no, no, Melissa Price. Who is Missy Malone? Why is that name in my head? Anyway, Missy Price. Melissa Price. Sorry. Have you considered doing a Q&A session? I have. Um, back, in the, back in the heyday of live streaming and stuff in 2016, uh, I would do Q&A sessions, and Facebook's algorithm was such where I could... Um, where I could do a live stream. Okay, Missy lives in Tennessee. So there is a Missy Malone. Okay. Um, I, my, my, I'm discombobulated now, Melissa. <laughs> anyway, um, back, back during that day, um, in like in 2016, you know, I'd go live, and I would riff on my topic for about, you know, 35, 45 minutes. And then I might stay online for two and a half more hours doing Q&A sessions, just riffing, talking with the audience and stuff like that. The algorithm just doesn't, doesn't put the material out there. And, and look, I get it. Um, how do I put this? A, if we had a bigger advertisement budget, but there's some production things that we could do. Like I need to fix my background. I need to fix my lighting. If I look more presentable, uh, I'd, I'd draw a bigger crowd. Okay. It's just a bunch of stuff that I could do. But back in the day, man, I don't know. I don't know what changed. So I guess there's a long way around of saying, I have thought about doing a Q and a session, but I'm just afraid that there wouldn't be enough participation uh, to do a Q&A session, to have a, to have a sustained Q&A session. Even whenever I was doing stuff at, after the Digital Bible Study Connect, um, you know, we'd have 40 or 50 people on the live stream. And if I did a dedicated Q&A session then, like I, even with 40 or 50 people on the live stream, I wouldn't get any questions. So I don't know. I, I would. I, I love Q and A sessions. 
I love, um, we used to call it stump the preacher. Um, we, you know, 2016, I'd go live and I'd do a little bit, 35, 40 minutes. I'd be like, okay, we're going to play stump the preacher. Let, let's have a Q and a session. And of course the rule was like, if you ask me facts and figures, like who was the, you know, seventh King of Judah? Well, I'm going to Google that, but we're talking about like moral and ethical conundrums, uh, stuff like that. Theological questions, facts, figures. I've got to Google. I don't store facts and figures in my head. Well, but anyway, that's a long way around. Hey, uh, I would love to do a Q and a session. Uh, I love them. Uh, they're, they're so fun. But anyway, uh, maybe, maybe I'll try to do a dedicated Q and a session. And if it doesn't work out, maybe I can do something like, Hey, listen, at the end of the month, we're going to do a Q and a session. You need to get me your questions and I'll cover your questions. So that may be a better way to do it. Anyway, um, I think I'm done. Very short podcast today. Uh, blast me of the Holy Ghost. Did I clarify things? Did I make them? Did I make the water muddier? Uh, to review, blast me of the Holy Ghost. Very literally, nuts and bolts is seeing a miracle performed by the power of the Holy Ghost and saying it comes from Satan. The way that you would be able to commit that today is to um, see the Bible and just say the Bible is a lie. Can you be forgiven of blasphemy of the Holy Ghost? Um, you can, but there's a sense in which it, you cannot because the very tools that the people who loved you would convince you that you're blaspheming the Holy Ghost is that which you do not believe. It's the Bible. So in that way, blasphemy is unforgivable. Uh, you're going to have to have somebody that is able to, from outside of the Bible, convince you that the Bible is a good enough witness to testify of Jesus and God's scheme of redemption and the necessity in your life for it. So in that way, blasphemy of the Holy Spirit is unforgivable in its practice. It's different than any other sin. Any other sin that you commit, you, you would be able to be convinced of your necessity for forgiveness from Scripture because you believe in the authority of Scripture. But blasphemy of the Holy Spirit, you do not believe in the authority of the, of the Scriptures. So it would be the Holy Spirit through the Scriptures that would convince you of your necessity for salvation. Ergo, no hope is the idea. You're hopeless in that state. You, you absolutely have to stop blaspheming in order to have the potential to be forgiven. All right. Good deal. All right. Um, the sword and the pearl at John. We get it. All right. I don't know the sword and the pearl. If I miss something, who is John? All right. Anyway. Well, folks, that's all I've got here. Uh, remember, Substack. Subscribe on Substack. It's totally free. But if you're a free subscriber on Substack, we invite you to upgrade your subscription to a $5 a month model. And you can send us a donation near churches at gmail.com. And listen, going through 2024, if you haven't, if, 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 you're, if you're deciding, hey, I want to set aside some of my budget to support a, a a, a Christian content creator, consider supporting Christianity now. We could really use your support. 
and we got some pretty high plans and we can't accomplish those goals without you. Remember for those of you on uh on uh YouTube, like, subscribe, share, share this on your social media. It really helps us out. And remember, I'm gonna leave uh I'm gonna leave this up on the screen. Follow us on X. Uh Christianity Now at one Chronicles one two three two. We want to be sons of Issachar. God bless you. This has been Tony Bruce Cogitations. You can catch these sound archives at uh, Cogitations on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and TuneIn Radio, and just about anywhere you listen to podcasts. And that's it. God bless you, and we'll catch you on the flip side.